when things should have been falling apart, he had things fall in place, man. And for that, we just got to give him the praise, give him the one else like him. There's no one like him for it. Amen, amen. First, I want to give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, I would not be alive. My overseer, Bishop-elect Pendleton, First Lady Pendleton, and my baby sister that's on the way. My parents, my family, deacons, ministers, saints, and friends. I'm very grateful to have you all join us this morning. Today, I'll be coming to you with a word from the Lord, coming from chapter 1 of the book of Jonah, verses 1 through 5 and 15 to 16. May everyone please rest on their feet for the reading of the scripture. The word of the Lord reads as such. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Uh -huh. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Yeah. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Mm -hmm. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Mm -hmm. Let us pray. Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in your house right now, Father. Asking and seeking forgiveness for all of our sins, Father. Any dirt that we have done, Father, we ask that you forgive it, Father. And wipe us clean with the blood of Jesus so that we may hear you unhindered, Father. Lord Jesus, as I come to you with this word, Father, I ask that you take all of me out of this word, Father. I ask that you just use me as a vessel, God. Just use me as a mouthpiece to speak to your people, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title, I'm, the title of my message this morning is Get Off of Your Ship. Serving God, whether it is through ministry or simple personal obedience, can often be a scary thing to do. With our finite minds, we will rarely be able to see past the immediate sacrifice that God needs us to make. But these sacrifices are necessary for God's master plan to come into fruition. As we examine this text, we will witness a timeless example of how our disobedience can cause chaos and how our obedience can accomplish the unthinkable. Now, for some context, the Old Testament book of Jonah gives us a powerful account of our prophets rebelling from the Lord. We learned that Jonah is a tenured prophet of God, previously prophesying to King Jeroboam II in 2 Kings chapter 14. So Jonah is not a stranger to the voice of God. Jonah comes from the land of Gath Hefer, which was in the northern kingdom of Israel. This is important to the story. Because Israel would eventually find itself brutally conquered by the Assyrians. And amongst those brought into captivity were Jonah and his people. Now fast forwarding to the time of this text. God gives Jonah his next assignment. 
And in the second verse, God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, uh -huh. a city so big that the text says it would take three days to traverse it. Nineveh would be the modern-day equivalent to a Los Angeles or New York City. But Jonah has some bad blood against the city. Yeah. Now, in that commandment, we heard God tell Jonah, go to Nineveh and prophesy warning. Yeah. But Jonah heard God say, go to the land of the people that viciously conquered your land, your people, and your family. And let them know that God is giving them a chance to be spared from destruction. Wow. Now, the events that follow this offer a priceless lesson of how to respond to God's call. Such is the wisdom that God has revealed to us through his eternal word. Now that the scene has been set, this leads me to my first point. Identify your ship. See, when God calls on our name to fulfill an assignment, it's not always an attractive one. It might not even be one that we feel is important or not even that serious. Some of us believers are praying for that attractive assignment. Go here, preach to this congregation. Go to this country, plan a ministry. Go on tour with this worship group. But how do we react when God commands us to do the thing that we've been dreading to do? These assignments can vary to us in importance. It could be as simple as taking out the trash after service or standing in line on the first of the month to go get groceries for Nana. Or they could be hurtful, heavy assignments like ending that red flag producing relationship or confessing that lie that you've kept for years or preaching the gospel to those who gave you scars that you are still trying to heal from. You see, this is where we can identify with the prophet Jonah. Now, if you look back in the text, Jonah had no problem, no quarrel with God when it came to preaching prosperity to King Jeroboam II. That was the attractive assignment. But when God told him to, when God told him to tell the king that he would expand Israel's borders, giving him control over the most land that Israel has ever possessed, he had no problem. But when God told him to preach a warning, to the people who conquered that same land, what did he do? He hopped on the ship. You see, Jonah is like us. It's all peaches and cream when God uses us for something that would benefit us. But like Jonah, when our assignment conflicts with what we think is in our best interest, we hop on the ship. For Jonah, he literally hopped on the ship and literally tried to get as far away from, from God as possible. Verse 3, it says, Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. In a geographical sense, Tarshish was the furthest place that Jonah could go to in order to flee his assignment. Wow. So this isn't Deacon Terry saying this here. Here it is in the eternal word of God. When we run from our assignment, we are running from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Now, if we look at his word through our devotional lens and find ourselves in the text, uh -huh. we come to learn that we all have a ship that we are hopping on to run from our assignment. Yeah. See, like our assignments are our ship can range in importance or impact. When we don't wake up for church in the morning, we hop on the ship. When we skip out in that Bible study class, we hop on the ship. When we delegate to someone else an assignment that God gave specifically for us, we hop on the ship. But it can go deeper than running from church. For some of us getting high, getting drunk, fornicating, or neglecting our studies. Whatever it is that you do in place of the assignment that God has called upon your life, that is your ship. And this is just your method of fleeing from the presence of God. But once we've identified whatever our ship is, that's when we can rejoice. Because now we've taken the first step toward fulfilling the will of God. And this brings me to my second point. Rejoice in the storm. 
Now, when we make it a habit of hopping on our ship, our God, who loves us more than life, is left with no choice but to send us a storm. See, when we spend too much time on our ship, we can get real comfortable. If we skip a bit in the text, it says that in the middle of the storm, Jonah was fast asleep. So Jonah wasn't on this ship for a quick second. No, Jonah has been on this ship for a while. Long enough for God to get the message that he's content with where he's at. You see, Jonah actually completely ignored God. In verse 2, God told Jonah, arise, telling him to get up or wake up. God commanded him to get out of his comfort zone. But instead of being obedient, Jonah went out of his way to flee from the voice of God so that he can go back to sleep, back to his comfort zone. This here is a dangerous position to be in as a believer. Once we become content, satisfied with being out of the presence of the Lord, avoiding his word so that we can peacefully dwell in our comfort zone, we are susceptible to any kind of danger and also any kind of deception. You see, when we go through storms, us believers love to blame Satan. Oh, the devil's just mad at me because he sees what God's doing in my life. Uh That's a fact. God's about to do something in your life. (laughs) And you are correct. The devil is mad at you, but not for the reasons that you think. Right? When When we hop on our ship and neglect our studies, it's easy to pin every unfortunate event on the devil. But once we do jump off the boat and actually study to show ourselves approved, we can see as clear as day that the text says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. But the Lord sent the mighty tempest. But the Lord was about to break this ship. So let's not blame Satan for the wrath that we brought upon ourselves. Because when you've been on a ship for so long, it's simply just a matter of time before you run into some stormy waters. But let me tell you, my fellow believer, the real reason why the devil is mad at you. It's because he's envious of the storm that God has placed in your life. Now, now us as believers, we've heard it being said that we need to rejoice in the middle of the storm. Give God the worship that he deserves whenever we're in the most dire of situations. It's all over the Bible. James tells us to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations. And that these hardships are for the working of our patience. Paul reinforces this idea in Romans 5. When he tells us to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but to give God glory in the tribulations, knowing that tribulations work with patience. Now, these are powerful and life-changing principles to apply to our lives. But as a believer, it can be difficult to apply these scriptures when we don't see the value of the hardships that God has placed on our world. But in the book of Jonah, God gives us a different perspective on the value of a storm. But we have to dive deep. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is addressing the Thessalonians and commending them for their endurance through their persecution. And also giving them comfort in the fact that the people responsible for their hardships will get what's coming to them. But it's the way that he describes their punishment is where we can rejoice. In reference to those evil individuals, he says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. But I'll read it again in the NIV where Paul says, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord in the glorious might. Uh Now, if we examine verse 3 in Jonah, it says, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. One more time. In Thessalonians, Paul says, Those outside of the will of God, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord his glorious might. And then Jonah, it says that Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish 
from the presence of the Lord. And it's still slow. You see, when Jonah hopped on his ship, he was on his way to hell. You see, he ran from his assignment and fled from the presence of the Lord. And hell is simply a place where we are eternally separated from God. So aren't you glad that God sent a storm in your life to prevent you from going to hell? Aren't you glad that he made your car break down when you were on your way to go fornicate? Aren't you glad that he broke down your finances when you were smoking your lungs into oblivion? Aren't you glad that he ended that situationship when you couldn't afford a baby? When God tells us to rejoice in the storm, it's not because we need to enjoy the storm. But we must be grateful to have a God that would rather have us be swallowed by a fish than to have us be separated from him. And as for Satan, when he hopped on his ship and brought down a third of the angels from heaven, don't you think that he's in hell wishing every day that God sent him a storm when he fled from his presence? So next time we're in the middle of the storm, don't complain. Just rejoice that we have a God that loves us enough to save us from hell. Amen. This brings me to my third point. You won't be alone on your ship. Now, we can learn from the second half of this text that when we run away from our purpose, we become the source of chaos. And this chaos can and will affect those in your vicinity. Now, as we continue the analogy of the ship, think about what your biggest ship is. Think about who your crewmates are. To make it clearer, think about your method of fleeing from the presence of God and think about who it is that you do that with. For the people who smoke weed, it's the smoking buddies. For the drinkers, it's the drinking buddies. For the fornicators, their boyfriend or their girlfriend. These people are usually not the ones that you bring around your church family. Not the ones that you fellowship with, pray with, or study with. The main reason why you guys are linked is because of your disobedience. But I come to tell you that if you hop off of that ship, God will use your obedience to save those same people. Now let me make it make sense. And verse 5, it says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man into his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea. Uh -huh. Now, when Jonah is on the ship, his disobedience causes everyone on the ship to start experiencing the consequences of his actions. Not aware that the turmoil that they're experiencing is because of Jonah, they begin to panic and search within themselves for the reason why they're going through this. The text says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man into his God. You see, com completely clueless, they'll try to cry out to the little G God and receive no answer. They'll fall back on whatever belief system that they subscribe to. But when things don't start adding up and the little G God start coming up short in their promises, yeah. that's when the real fear sets in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The text says that they cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea. You see, this is our natural instinctual reaction to try to think our way out of the situation wow. and figure it out on our own. But ultimately, they'll come to the realization that their fate is not in their hands. Now, you know exactly why you're in this storm. Because you belong to God, you know he's going to hold you to a different standard. Your boys might smoke every night, but the day that you come, y'all get pulled over. Your girls might party every weekend, but the day that you come, the club gets shot up. Now, while your boys and your girls are sitting there panicking, wondering why, why is this happening to us, you're just sitting there chilling. Knowing deep in your heart that this is just God's storm finally touching down. Jonah tried to play it off. You see, he was sleeping in the midst of all this panic. And that's when his crewmates began to question him. 
and inquire about the God that he serves. Wow. You see, when you've had a long relationship with the Lord, and you know his word, you are naturally left with a bone-chilling peace within you, even in the midst of disobedience. Because, because you know God's character, what happens to you shouldn't be much of a surprise. Right. You ever be doing something you wasn't supposed to be doing? Going somewhere you wasn't supposed to be going? And all of a sudden, things just go left? Right. And now you're just sitting there like, that's what I get. I know it was supposed to be over there with these people. I know better than that. You see, this is the predicament that Jonah has found himself in. He knows that his presence is the reason why the entire crew is experiencing these stormy waters. So he knew that the only solution that was left for him was to hop off the ship. Now, in the verses between my highlighted verses, there's an interaction between Jonah and his crewmates where it is revealed that Jonah serves the Lord God of heaven. And that the only way this storm would end would be if he jumped off of the ship. But even with this information, the crewmates still didn't want him to jump off the ship. You see, in verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Meaning that these crewmates aren't necessarily bad people. You see, they didn't want to toss Jonah off the ship. You see, your crewmates could be people who genuinely have what they think is your best interest at heart. But this is where we must be careful. Because your crewmates don't know the God that you serve. But you do. They don't know that his word says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. But you do. They don't know that the Lord says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, but you do. They don't know that the Lord says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, but you do. And last but not least, they don't know that the Lord is telling you to hop off of the ship, but you do. So when your crewmates are trying to get you to stay, smoke another blunt, stay, drink one more shot. Remember, they don't know the God that you serve. And it's your job to teach them who he is through your obedience. Now, why I feel like God has placed this text on my heart is because I have had personal parallels with this story in my own life. For example, when I was around nine years old, I played for this Little League baseball team. We were not good. So at some point towards the end of the season, it ended up being a burden to be a part of that team. See, I had this group of friends in my neighborhood who weren't into baseball. But they used to rave about how much fun they had going to the place all across town called Harbor Town. Uh-huh. You see, it was a long, long trek, but the amount of fun that they described having over there sounded extremely worth it. But while my mom was busy on the phone, I begged her and I begged her to let me go with them on the trip to Harbor Town. She reluctantly said yes, and I was off to the races without a care in the world. Right. We ended up taking a trek to Harbor Town and having all types of fun. We played in the parks, walked on the rocks by the water, Play games with the kids that already lived there. Yo, we had the time of our lives. We ended up playing a big game of catch, and I was having so much fun not thinking about anything but catching this next pass. But all of a sudden, I'm waiting for the kids on the other side to throw the, throw the ball to the kids on our side, and they stop and focus on something behind me. Me still waiting for them to, to throw it. I'm rushing them, like, yo, come on, throw the ball. But the looks of joy in their faces turned to looks of concern. Before I could process what's happening, I feel two massive heavy hands slam down on my shoulders, and I'm yanked away from all the funny games <laughs> by my father. <laughs> you see, I'm over here in Harbortown, 
playing games with these kids when I was supposed to be over in Hope Lawn in the middle of a Little League baseball game, wow. helping my team get their first win of the season. <laughs> you see, I had made a commitment to this baseball team to show up to all the games and give every outing my best effort. And when the going got rough, I had completely forgotten about my commitment and chose to distract myself with all these funny games until my father had to come yoke me up <laughs> and remind me that I had somebody I was supposed to be. Hey, Bishop-elect, they still think I'm talking about Leonard Sr. <laughs> you see, <laughs> when you make a commitment <laughs> to be a part of the most one-sided <laughs> deal in all <Nola> history, <laughs> don't fret. <laughs> When he gives you an assignment, don't run. When he gives you a mission, don't hide. When he gives you a task, cause your obedience is all that he asks. You see, Jonah was doing an assignment, and cause he didn't like it, he hopped on the ship to flee from the presence of the Most High God. You see. If it was up to us, we'd be on a one-way ticket straight to the depths of hell. But aren't you glad that we serve a God that has sent a storm to bring you back? Back to his presence, back to his glory, back to his favor, back to his grace. I said, aren't you glad that we have a God who was also sleep on a boat? But aren't you glad that he wasn't running? He was right where his father told him to be. I said, aren't you glad that when the storm came his way, he didn't panic? And with all power, I said all power, said peace, be still. I said, aren't you glad that we serve a God that would much, much rather have you be swallowed by your fish than to have you be separated from his amazing grace? I said, aren't you glad that he would much, much rather have you be swallowed by your fish than to give Satan a W? I said, aren't you glad? That he gave him three days in the belly, three days to pray, three days to repent, three days to get advice. Speaking of three days, don't that sound familiar? See, how to God that we serve the man who is most up in Gotham Hill. They mock him, they beat him, they pierce him in the side, and after hours and hours and hours of taking all punishment, oh, he died. But don't get sad, cause y'all know the story He was dead all day Friday, all Friday night All day Saturday, all Saturday night But I, oh, but I, Sunday morning He got up, he got up, he got up Not as a weakling, but with all power He paid the ultimate price when we couldn't afford it so the only thing left to do is to give him a shout.